Welcome to Scale School, my friends. I'm Dan Bolton, and my purpose here is simple. I wanna help you increase the scalability of your coaching or consulting business so as it gets bigger, life gets better. Here we will be talking everything from getting clients, keeping clients, teams, leadership, but most importantly, making scaling simple and fun again. Thanks so much for tuning in and I hope you get a ton out of today's episode. Life is good, man. Heading to LA in, in 10 days. Uh, right. Probably the first overseas trip I'm not looking forward to. It'll be awesome, but I'm like, I just am really enjoying Bali and yeah. uh, you know the, the trip and the jet lag and all of that. But it'll be good, man. It'll be good to link totally. up with Irwin and the crew yeah, there. I'm looking forward cool. to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good, It'll be good amazing. People. It'll be really good. Is Gilberto joining us today? He should be. Yeah, uh, he's probably he's probably running running past uh, another appointment. No worries. So walk me through kind of what's going on. Give me an update. Would love to know how you yeah. guys are going. Yeah, things are good. We've really tried to DQ a lot of people, so sales call volume has been less. I don't take the sales calls Gilberto does, but I think it's been better from like a sales perspective. I think we got two new students in. I've been using the framework that you suggested with like the eight thousand over four months or seven thousand if you want to pay it all in full, uh, yep. which I think has been working well. So. Yeah, we should we should like continue to do better this month than we did last month, which is awesome. Oh, great um, to hear. My focus has really been on like the product and like the back end, just making sure like people have a really good experience. So we created like a portal for each student that we just like templatized and just broke in the roadmap from that perspective. And then we have the course and like templates as more of like a course external thing. But then we have the portals, which is where we work through like the one-to-ones, which is good. Hammering the content, still trying to refine that. And then Gilberto and I are still trying to, or we are continuing to just grow as like two co-founders and, and like a coaching role. So yeah, all in all, I think things are things are going pretty well. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, talk to me more about that partnership deal in terms of how you guys are finding rhythm there. Is that being is that being fruitful? Or are you guys finding like the who does what and all of that? Yeah, like we've we defined it. I just wrote a job description, which is like something that was really helpful for me when I had the agency. It was just like expectations and did that for Gilberto on Monday, and then I'll do it for me this week. I think just like the challenge is like who answers the client who responds, who does the one-on-ones, how do we switch it off, stuff like along those lines yep. um, is the only like thing that I see and just like setting the expectations with the person that comes in. But yeah, is there any like, do you have like, who's a really successful coach in company that's been like a partnership? And then what were the dumb dynamics? Like, who do you think about when I when I ask you that? Yeah, I mean, the two two obvious ones, firstly, obviously Alex and Layla. And uh, it was a really interesting thing for a long time, even working obviously privately with Alex. I assumed he was running the company and doing all the ops and hiring people, but he was really in a creative role for so long in sales team management. And then Layla was running the business. So there obviously a great example of kind of sticking your strengths, finding your zone of genius and doing that. In terms of other partnerships, I don't know if they're still partners, but they were for a long time. Obviously, Traffic and Funnels with Taylor Welch and Chris Evans. Chris Evans was much more back-end. Taylor Welch was much more front-end. There's another example. They're not so public, but they're a huge coaching company. A guy called Dan Sullivan. Are you familiar with him? Mm. He's an older guy. He's uh he's known as like the greatest entrepreneur coach. Like I think he's worked with like 25,000 clients or something stupid like that. And uh, it's a husband and wife team as well. So his wife does all the backstage stuff behind the scenes. He does all the content, marketing, sales stuff. So those would be uh, three examples that come to mind for me. Welcome, Gilberto. What's up, homie? I think yeah. you're muted. He's on mute. Austin was just giving me the lay of land and walking me through stuff. It sounds like you guys are in some momentum right now, which is fantastic. Yeah. 
That's really cool. Yeah, we were just talking about partnership, finding different roles, all that kind of stuff. So was there anything more you guys wanted to jam on that? Or do you want to talk about something else? Anything to add on your end, Gilberto? Uh, yeah, I had a couple of things. Are, is everything all like good now with what you had asked? Like Austin, I know that was one thing you were going to ask, like on the partner stuff. Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, I know, like I feel like expectation setting is all. And then just making sure like we're dialed in and then stress testing it and then figuring it out. So which we're in the process of doing. Yeah, I mean, if I could riff on it for a second, just to add some value here. So I've worked with a lot of people in business partnerships and most business partnerships make no business sense because they typically have two people that have the same skill sets trying to do the same stuff. So whether it's yeah. a husband and wife team and they're both creating content and both sitting and both you know doing a mix or whether it's people like you guys that have come together. So the biggest thing I would say is like, yeah, expectations is really, really important. And then just getting really clear that business happens and seasons, right? And so the seasonally, you need to understand who's responsible for what. And ideally that's obviously aligned with strengths and with weaknesses and with personalities and things like that. But also it's understanding that sometimes we have to do stuff we don't want to do long-term in the short term because that's the season. And so if you guys are not only aware of the bigger term agreement, right? Who's doing what? What are we doing? Why are we working together in the first place? The seasonal agreements are so important. Okay. For the season, you might not want to do this long-term, but right now in this time, you are going to be doing this until we hire someone someone or don't need it any longer whatsoever. So really getting strategic on that front, I think is where most people fail, where they just have two sets of hands and two sets of eyes and two brains, and they're working on a lot of the same stuff. If you can really clarify who's responsible for what and who's going to bring the most energy to the key parts, you have two founders. So you, you want to be thinking to a degree like two CEOs, right? Which is time and energy allocation. So really getting clear on the stuff that are the needle movers for your specific area and making sure that you're allocating the, the proper time and energy to that is so key. So even if only one of you is responsible for sales, still going through the lens of what are the revenue generating activities? So what are the things that are either going to help us make money or, or, or through acquisition or make more money through retention? Those are the kinds of things you want to be really thinking through from a strategic lens. I'm, I'm very ops focused. Like that's just how my brain thinks in like, like long-term, like what is a org structure of one year or like um, two years down the line, 200 to $500,000 per month in revenue, like coaching business, like what we have going on Yeah, like it, it, from, from like a people. Yeah. Yeah. So the people is obviously dependent on the, the business model. So what kind of business model do you guys want to build? Do you like the idea of having a big team of sitters and closes and things like that? Like what kind of business do you want to build from a model standpoint? I mean, I'm more attracted to not like going back to the agency grind of like grinding my, like doing 20 hour days and stuff, like more of the freedom perspective, but mm -hmm. designing it around that and truly delegating and creating a product that is super solid from that perspective. But that probably also does come with a team of setters, closers, CSMs, mm -hmm. all that stuff. Yeah, I think both of us are kind of on the same page as like kind of with you, Dan. Like, I think we're all on the, like the same kind of like trajectory and what we're wanting to build, like more of like the freedom is like the big thing. Like how that mm -hmm. looks is kind of like, however that looks is like fine. And so long as like the outcome is like, you know, we're not doing like 16 hour days. I mean, if it's fine, like right now in the beginning, but like- I get it, yeah, yeah. Long term. And what's, what's the, I don't know your profit split or how that works, but like what's the profit goal of the business, let's say 12 months from now? Say 70%. Like that's where- Brandon said he was at right. Sorry, not not in terms of margin, in terms of number. Like what what number would you guys like to be profiting per month a year from now? I'd say hundred. So we're yeah we're fifty fifty. So we just do everything in half. It was just like the simplest way to do it. Cool. Um. So yeah, hundred thousand that get us fifty thousand each, assuming we're keeping some cash in the bank. So. Totally. Profit, profit. Yeah. So how I would think about that is there's business is always going to be hard, but you get to choose which hard you like to 
to focus in on or what, what you want to tolerate. So for me, I don't want to work really hard in sales. Obviously, I don't even sell via sales calls right now. I sell via chat. But even those sales, I want to be really easy. And so because of that, I'm mostly focused on content and marketing. So if you look at someone like Iman Gadzi, or I don't even know his name, but uh, that guy who goes by future in the creative agency space. Oh, yeah. Christo. Yeah. So Iman scaled to, I think if we, he's bigger than this now, but he scaled to a million a month with very little sales team, like yeah. real minimal, because he was so focused on generating lead throws. Uh, lead flow through YouTube, right? And so Chris is Chris is the same. I don't understand this whole business model, but he has a huge audience and it's really focused on content. So you can go down that route. The alternative is just direct response where you have very little content, you have very little brand and you're having to do a lot of work in sales. You've got setters and closers that are trying to hit KPIs like crazy. You've got to manage them really closely. For some people, that's the perfect business model where they are happy to solve that problem. For me, I've realized that I much prefer managing people on the content creative side of things than on the sales side of things. And so yeah. because of that, I'm really confident I can hit 3 million a year in profit over the next year doing what I'm doing now, just at a larger scale, just investing more time into team around content and scaling our content strategy and really building a bigger brand. I've got to a million a year in profit with a thousand YouTube subscribers and my little like email list and Facebook list. And so I think if I focus on, let's say, getting to 10,000 subscribers, I'm going to be able to take that from 1 million in profit to 3 million in profit. So kind of based on that conversation around business model and what problems you're excited to solve, when you guys think about what you're excited to solve, the things that you naturally gravitate towards, what, what would those things be for you guys? Would you prefer to emphasize marketing and so then have less demand on sales? So maybe less team on the sales side, or would you prefer to kind of go more that direct response route? I really I like, like marketing and sales. Like, yeah. For me, like I, I really like marketing and sales. I actually like ha liked having a team of closers. I like like coaching them and all that stuff. And like, you know, like the leadership and like bringing people up kind of thing. Um, And I also like marketing, like the copywriting aspect of it. I'd say that for me, it's those two that light me up. Definitely the the content marketing brand. I mean, that's how we built the agency pretty significantly was through that. Yeah, cool. So when you think about business model, it'll, it'll either be created by default or by design. And most people will just go by default, meaning they get to a certain bottleneck and then they hire someone and they get to another bottleneck and they hire someone. And they're never really thinking like, what do I want the business to look like? What do I want my life to look like built around the business or the business around my life? And so a couple of key things that you could be thinking about is as you're scaling, thinking about non-negotiables. So what are the things that we're willing to do and what are the things we're unwilling to do? So we're about 10 days away from ramping up to two YouTube videos week to four YouTube videos a week. So we've got our videos planned for roughly, I think it's October 17th or October 21st or something like that. And then we're just continuing to bank more content so I can just scale on that side. And there is a huge line in the sand before I started YouTube and long form content. And after, I, th I think I'm setting it around seven, 700 to 800 watch hours a month, which is either 700 people watching one hour of my content, 350 watching two hours and so on. And so if I can just continue to scale that, I know sales becomes way easier. So even though in the short term, I know I've if I brought a sitter and a closer on, I would make more money hundred percent, but I'm unwilling to do that because of the business model implications that that would have on my life. I would then have to manage a sitter and manage a closer and be in daily huddles and things like that. Neither of these things are right or wrong. This is the decision that you guys have to make. So when you think about the business model and the team and the size that you want to have at 200,000 a month, firstly, you want to do the unit economics of how many clients based on our current price point do we need at that, at that level. And then think of the model you want to have to service those clients and get those clients to begin with. So if we just do some math for a second. I'll pull up, excuse me. I'll just pull up my calculator. You guys are roughly charging around two grand a month, right? Yep. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. So let's just keep it simple. Let's say no one's paying in full and everyone's on a payment plan, right? So 2,000 a month is 100 clients. To get to 100 clients over the next year, let's just and let's just be really conservative and say it's over a year. How many clients are you guys currently working with? You know the number? 
Austin. Yeah. I think it's like like 20 or 30. Cool. Let's just say, let's just say 20 to be conservative. And let's say, you know, most of those stay, but you know, let's, let's just make some assumptions. So the next 12 months, let's say you've got to acquire a hundred clients, right? Cause some will drop off. So we've got a hundred divided by 12. So now you're at eight clients a month or two clients a week. So here's what's crazy to get to 200 K a month. Let's say you like 50% profit margins is really conservative. I think you guys could push that to 70%. Assuming you don't have $30,000 a month in ad spend, $50,000 a month in ad spend, you're dialing in content, you're dialing in email, you're doing a great job of lead nurture, right? So eight clients a month, two clients a week. And again, like, and this is being, this is assuming like people are going to stay and things like that. Obviously, let's, let's just be even more conservative and say you've got to get 12, right? So 12 clients a month times 12 months, 144 clients to have hundred clients in 12 months. 200,000 a month at 100,000 a profit. You guys following? Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So 12 clients a month is three clients a week. To get three clients a week, what's your current close rate? Uh, on qualified, um, it's 30 to 40. Is what okay. the average is. So let's let's go conservative. Let's say let's say 30. So in order to get to three clients a week, you need nine showed up strategy sessions a week for the next year to hit your goal of 200,000 a month, 100,000 a profit. You could do that with one setter and you as the closer. Mm. Let's assume you don't want to close, then you just have one setter and one closer. But there's also a world where you ditch sales calls altogether if you want to entertain that. So now the thinking becomes, how many leads do we need to be able to get three clients a week? And the cool thing about that is it's not that many. So if you guys go heavy on content, over the next over the next uh year and let's say 90 days from now you're consistently posting a reel a day if you're not already doing that and two youtube videos a week if you have your instagram dialed in youtube dialed in and email you could easily get nine calls a week that will bring you that 12 clients a month that will get to that hundred thousand dollars a month in profit in a year now obviously you guys could get there sooner and you could get there sooner through either having higher profit margins or growing your revenue faster but what's really cool about two hundred thousand a month is you might have one coach right because if you do the math on this let's say you still have a one-to-one coaching model with 100 clients. What's crazy about this is, and you'd need to find a high caliber person for this, but 100 clients a month, sorry, 100 clients at 100 hours of coaching a month if you're doing two 30-minute sessions a month is 25 hours of delivery a week. So Hmm. if you bring on someone full-time, they're doing five hours of coaching calls a day. They have three hours spare of margin, energy, they're spacing out their calls, things like that. So you're now at a team of you, Gilberto, right? A virtual assistant, you're probably going to have someone on the content side, like a full-time editor, a sitter, and or a closer. So 200000 a month, and you have a team of, if I just drop this in the chat, one second, I've got reminders popping up that are getting in the way of the chat. So you've got Austin, Gilberto, VA, content manager, coach, sitter, maybe closer. And so if you run these numbers here really quick, uh, let's look, let's like, do you, well, is this helpful if we go through this? Yeah. Right. So assuming... You guys pay yourself whatever you pay yourselves. So VA, two to 3,000 a month at max, right? That's assuming you've got a killer VA who's really, really good. Content manager will be anywhere from 6,000 to 10,000 a month. 10,000 a month is like someone who's with you in person, more than likely, who's a savage, who's shooting all the content, who's doing all the editing, who's got a lot of experience in this realm. But you could probably find someone at 6,000 a month who's already a great editor. And to be honest, if you're willing to do a lot of the direction, you can find someone who's way cheaper than that, who's just doing the video editing. You could find someone for 1,500 a month, 2,000 a month, right? We don't order- know, Austin. What? Content guy, the content guy. We have that. So now. yeah, so so we're gonna do a trade with a with a with a guy who's gonna come out once a month, and then we have an editor. So yeah, I see, I see the vision of of getting someone new full time for sure eventually yeah. too. So VA two K month, right? Content manager. Let's let's just say it's five K month to keep it really simple. Setter. 5k a month. So right now, so if you just look at this, your your team expenses at 200k a month could be 
$12,000. And then if you want to get, oh, sorry. And then a coach. So coach, let's just say they're a savage. They're making 8,000 a month because they're like high caliber. They're overseeing hundred clients. So without looking at a closer at this stage, because Gilberto, you could still be closing. You're only taking nine calls a week to get three clients, which is freaking epic. So then your, your total overhead on the team side, two, seven, 12, 20. So that's the core expenses of the team. $20,000. Let's say you're spending $20,000 a month on ads and let's say you've got $3,000 in software. So now you're at $43,000 in expenses. You have a team of one, two, three, four, five, six, and then maybe a seventh with a closer that's including you guys. And you're at 75% profit margins for $200,000 a month. And this is super doable. The problem is most of people overcomplicate it. They hire too many people. They spend too much time on ads. Uh, sorry, too much money on ads because they're not efficient with their lead flow because they don't have content. They're not building a brand. They're having to convert people, follow up like crazy, convince people to work with you. But if you just focused on a reel a day, two YouTube videos a week, dialing in your email marketing, dialing in your Instagram stories and all that kind of stuff. And then you hired in this team, you could get to 200K a month at 75% profit. The right. biggest eater of margin is the wrong team members, paying them too much, paying team members you don't need and ads. But like, like the thing that was really, the thing that I've always been really good at is I'm learning the building the audience game. That's the current stage of business that I'm in. I've made seven and a half million dollars from an audience of 7,500 people. Oh, that's wild to me. Dude, it's a thousand dollars per audience member, right? Yeah. But I've, but I did that through efficiency of leads right? Yeah. So when we yeah. when we hit 347,000 cash in a month, our ad spend was 29,000 because That's we wild. were so good with content and following up, right? And so if you think about the efficiency piece, this is where most people build really dumb businesses is they create funnels where leads either buy or die. So you're running ads to a webinar or to your Instagram and you're messaging mm -hmm. people and all people are looking for is now buyers. So let's say you get a hundred leads and one converts. Most people look at that and they go, if I double the ad spend, I'll get two clients. So I get 200 leads and two clients. The question I'm asking is, what the heck are you doing with the, the other 198 leads who didn't convert now? And most people just ignore that and go buy more leads. But the efficiency comes in when you create content and email that really build trust and nurture people over the long period. And you take that 200 leads and instead of getting two clients, you get 20 clients. And now all of a sudden you're really efficient. And then the other piece of efficiency that's really important is how do you create a program so good people want to stick around for the long term? So my renewal rate for my one-to-one -one coaching right now is 90%. So wow. not only are people People signing up for that first 16 weeks, they're continuing to work with me because of the efficiency of the business model. And so when you think about efficiency on a marketing perspective, it's how do I get more, uh, how do I make more money from the leads I'm currently getting? And on the efficiency of the business model side, it's how do I make more money from the people I'm currently working with? And when you combine those two schools of thought, you create this really wicked high margin business that most high ticket people could never create because they're so focused on new leads and new clients rather than getting rather than doing a better job with the leads they have and the clients they have. So we've we've got like probably a dozen people at the two and three year mark with us because we just do such a good job of holding on to people for a really long time as opposed to selling people into an $8,000 thing and every month starting from zero and having to sell more people into an $8,000 thing. And that's why recurring revenue is so key. You know, I'm at seven figures profit in recurring revenue. Mm -hmm. And so it just brings so much peace of mind and allows me to keep things so simple and so lean. So that's pretty much how you did it then. Like those those leads that came in, you were just really good at like nurturing them. And so mm -hmm. that's how you're, you're now able to reap the benefits from that because you were like, basically yep. farming. Um... And let's talk really practically about that. So let's let's talk about like follow-up for a second, right? So firstly, a pool of people that you should always be following up with is past clients. People have already paid you money. The yeah. amount of people that I've had work with me, leave, work with me again, 
leave and work with me as a lot. Then the amount of people that have never left and just keep working with me as a lot. And I do that through follow-up. And follow-up is not just messaging people, hey, do you want to work with me? Hey, do you want to book a call? Hey, here's a free training. It's literally relationally continuing to build trust and rapport. So when the timing is right, the trust is there for the people who want to book a call or read the doc and work with us. And so I'm really efficient at dealing with people. And I'm always thinking about all the people I've worked with. And here's the cool thing. The longer you're in business, the more people who have worked with you in the past. So you have this huge pipeline of people. The second people is obviously people who are in conversation that haven't booked a call. People who have booked a call, but didn't show. People who showed, but didn't buy. And that's where lead efficiency is so key. And you don't have to get into the realm of paying tens of thousands for HubSpot software and doing these crazy CRMs. You can have something as simple as an Instagram CRM or a messenger CRM where you're just keeping track of people. And keeping track of people might be literally just reaching out and seeing someone had a win in their life and celebrating them. They might've had a story that you can reply to. Whenever you do a new training, you can reach out to those people and say, hey, just did a training on XYZ, thought of you, let me know if you want me to send that over. And then of course, when there are people who are on the fence, you could be way more direct with your follow-up. Hey, what would it need to look like for it to be a no-brainer for us to work together? Based on how cold someone is, or how warm someone is determines how we follow up, whether it's indirect, we're just relationally reaching out right. or it's direct, we're asking them to book a call and buy stuff. But that's where most people fall off the fastest is they just focus on getting new leads rather than doing a great job of the leads they already have. And the answer is not either or, it is both. But if you can combine both and you focus on the leads that didn't buy, not just getting new leads that will buy now, you get this really efficient, hyper profitable business. As far as like... um uh, like retention and getting somebody in for like a, like a renewal. Do you have like a downsell if they're not like wanting to continue at 2k a month, for instance, like just as like a community offer or are you just like, okay, are you in or are you out? So obviously I have a downsell in the community now for people who are in one-to-one. So my renewal conversations are really straightforward. So I had one yesterday and someone and the person renewed and I had them up with a voice message and I was like, Hey man, we're going to a last call next week. Really loved working with you. Three options from here that you can kind of choose from. Number one, we just virtually high Five, we celebrate working together and we part ways. And if that's what you want to do, I'm um, totally cool. So three options I give them in a renewal conversation. Number one, we stop working together. Totally cool. No hard feelings, no pressure. If that's what you feel, support you. Number two, we keep working together and that's you know, 800 a week for 16 weeks, whatever it might be. Or number three, you can jump into the community and that's 350 a week and that's uh, a 12 month commitment. And that's that's as loose and as relaxed as it is. You don't have to be that relaxed because right now I'm 100% unattached to renewals or sales of any kind. Ironically, it's that energy that makes people want to work with you longer though. And the person yesterday re-signed and they were like, dude, if the only thing you teach me over the next 16 weeks is how to renew people just like you did with me, I'm golden. <laughs> that sounds amazing, right? But, but firstly, it's an energy thing. The less you need clients, the more people want to keep working with you. The more people sense scarcity and disparity in our voice, in our tonality, the more repulsed people are by it. But the second thing is, is when it comes to the downsell conversation, yeah, I have a downsell now, but I didn't have previously because I'm actually okay because here's what happens with downsells. Let's say we sell people into downsell, which is typically an inferior version of the core offer we have. People might pay us for a period of time, but they likely won't get results. Like if, if we're selling them into a content only downsell, hey, you get the course materials. Guess what's going to happen? They don't go through the content yeah. and they don't get results. So your likelihood of then reselling them into one-to-one -one or your core off the future down the track is much less likely. So I'm not a fan of downsells because what that does is it actually cannibalizes my pipeline. It's money today in sacrifice of way more money in the future. So I prefer to have one really good, strong offer and people are either in or not. Firstly, the weekly pricing really helps people stick around because if they're in a cash crunch or something like that, it's not about $2,000 now, it's $500 now and let's help you cash flow faster so you can pay as you profit. But number two, it just keeps things so simple. So rather than you having to juggle multiple different offers and figure all that stuff out, you can really just focus 
focus on creating one offer that's so good, people would feel stupid to leave. So going forward from here, obviously we've talked about a number of different things. What, what do you guys feel like you want to focus in on over the next two weeks? Like we've talked about the high level of the 200K a month plan, 100K a month profit, the team, the costs associated. For you guys, what feels like the next best step for you? Content, nurturing. And on the content side, what 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 specifically do you feel like you need to do? That, that's actually the one that I was going to ask because like I definitely want to start building out our email list. Like I already have like already some email sequences um, that I've built out, but like a lot of our stuff is like using the DM strategy that like Grayson does and like Brandon, mm -hmm. where like we get people into like the, the DMs. So do you have like a way that you've seen your students do where like they'll get people on the email list? Yeah, um, super easy. So we can start building that out. Two ways. Firstly, there's the paid strategy of you can run ads to a lead magnet funnel. But if everything is going through Instagram right now, I'd keep it really simple. You do giveaways once a week, cheat sheet, training, SOP, something like that. And then as people raise their hand, you DM them and you say, hey, just saw your comment. Happy to send it over. What's your best email? They give you their email. You go, fantastic. It's coming over shortly. You add them into an email sequence. Then you also say, oh, by the way, here's the direct link. So that way, like I, I built my email list by 300 people last week just through one, one CTA like give post. So very easy, simple hack to do that. Last piece I'll say on this is if you haven't already gone through the IG funnel training we did last week, if you search IG funnel in the school group, there is a call that you should watch. And we've also created a full cheat sheet, A through Z, ads, content, DM strategy, all the way through everything that Grayson did to get to a seven-figure run rate in four months. So I highly recommend you checking that out. Yeah, we were looking for that today. Cool. Yeah, perfect. Cool. Well, I'm cheering you guys on. So content, dial that in, get some emails along that way, and then really focus on lead efficiency. Don't just obsess over new leads. Really focus on doing a better job with the leads you already have. Dig it. Killer. Thanks, keep me, keep me posted, guys, and check out that stuff in the school group. Yeah, we'll do. Thanks, cool. Man. See you guys. Later. Thanks for listening to another episode of Scale School. I hope you found something valuable in today's episode. If you haven't already subscribed, go ahead and do that so you can be notified every time we drop future episodes. And if you and I have not already connected, feel free to track me down on any one of the social media platforms. My big head and smiling face are no doubt gonna be there. And you can just search my name, Dan Bolton, and we can connect there. But thank you again for tuning in and I'll see you in a future episode.